Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Cat Chat with Bridget and Andy. Um, this episode is really kind of cool. It has uh, similar tie-ins to uh, our last episode regarding the hidden tiger, um, but with a different species altogether. So we, um, I'll let you kind of share with everybody what, uh, what they can plan on hearing without giving too much away. Of this episode? Yeah. Well, let's see. Um, awesomeness, greatness, um, the, uh, uh, the the spirit of saving animals, um, and, and actually a really big way with this particular uh, episode. Uh, so in this particular episode, you're going to find somebody that you recognize if you've been following Big Cat Rescue for a while. Um, do we want to inter- introduce uh, introduce her here or mention her here? You know, might as well. You're going to see her in two seconds. Uh, so for any of you that remember Vanessa, if you want to give some background real quick on what she was doing and why she uh, is important to listen to, Vanessa was a volunteer and intern for Big Cat Rescue for several years. Um, So we will catch up with her and her partner in conservation um, here in just a minute or two. And uh, they will kind of give us the rundown of what's happening with uh, all the different species in South Africa, including the big cats. Um, So it's definitely a must listen, must watch. And... um, you guys are going to enjoy it. I mean, I we loved every minute of it, and it was really interesting, enlightening, educational, and fun all at the same time. Um, so it's, uh, it's definitely opened my eyes to things that are going on around the world that I didn't necessarily know were happening. Um, and, and it gave me the opportunity to kind of figure out how to help animals in the wild even more than we already are, um, and in very simple ways. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, so we hope you enjoy this podcast. There is a lot packed into this. Um, you know, they, they cover an awful lot of ground really quickly. So, uh, stick with it. I think it's about an hour long and I uh, hope you guys enjoy. We'll see you again soon. Hi, friend. There we go. Only a whole hour late. I'm so sorry, guys. All good. It's the way of the world. <laughs> All good. It's good to see faces. Good to see you, you too. too. My gosh, your hair has gotten so long. That's really, it's quite ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let me do right. Devon. Yeah. Hi. Hey, How how's it going? Hello. Guys, this is Devon, and then that's Andy and Bridget. Uh, nice Lekka. to meet you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, we seven or eight hours in front of you, so we're in the future, so everything is hunky-kadori. Nice. Nice. Oh, my gosh. You guys must be exhausted after a long day. Well, we kind of went on holiday for the weekend, but it's your typical bush problems so when we got back we had a vehicle that didn't work and then we had to pick up our little anti-poaching dog in training because we're babysitting her for the night and then baboons trashed our front lawn so we needed to fix that and then our wi-fi is slow so we have yeah. <laughs> another day in africa you know? <laughs> man here's a oh my gosh heck with raccoons here's a here's baboons yeah no nope. yeah. pass hard pass hard pass yeah. Yeah. Take my trash pandas any day. <laughs> yeah, they have. Yeah, those the, the baboons have like thumbs and they can like actually open up the garbage can. Yeah. 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 Ooh, primates are intimidating. Yeah. Throw, throw the garbage really, can at you. Ooh, yeah. Hard pass. No, <laughs> They've, tried. They've tried. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, should we just dive right in? You ready to get this party started? Let's do it. Let's All right. It. Cool. All right. So we are here with Vanessa. And she is going to share with us some of the things that have been going on in her life. So first and foremost, Vanessa, what are you up to now? And how did you land here? Where did, what were the steps that you started building on to get to where you are now? Okay, cool. So right now I am volunteering, basically shadowing this guy um, at Kazuko Lodge and Reserve um, here in the Eastern Cape of South Africa. Uh, So we do a lot of habitat restoration right now. Um, We also are involved in our anti-poaching unit. 
um, and um, monitoring. The, yeah, and animal monitoring. Um, and kind of the reserve is very big on the che uh, cheetah meta population. Ooh. So that's very exciting. That is very um, so exciting. Yeah, so that's kind of a quick overview of what we're doing now. Um, but then my whole journey, you want like the whole journey from the start, Clip or just how yeah. I came down from Big Yeah. Cat. Okay, so, um, <laughs> so I started working uh, with exotics when I was 17 at a zoo. Um, and then I quickly learned that zoos weren't my forte. So then I found uh, Big Cat Rescue, which I had been at for about seven years as a volunteer. Um, and then I got a position as head animal manager at a Big Cat Sanctuary on the Western Cape uh, called Panthera Africa. So I was there for about two and a half years. And then my main goal was to always work in conservation and work out in the wild. So luckily at Panthera Africa is where I met this guy. Um, and he offered that I come and help out at Kazuko and get my foot in the door for conservation. Nice. So how was, uh, how was being in, in a completely different country, like halfway across the world during a global pandemic? How was that? Cause that, that seems like it would have been kind of intense. It was actually the perfect place to be during the pandemic because we, all the staff, I was there for most, uh, I was there at the sanctuary for most of the pandemic and lockdowns because South Africa also went through our lockdown and, and mask regulation and things. Um, but I got to live on property at the sanctuary with our close-knit staff. And so it was just us and we got to still go outside and do our job and, things were pretty much normal, except when we had to go into town for whatever reason. Uh, but that went, that was a responsibility of just one person who had to go and do grocery shopping for about 12 people at the <laughs> sanctuary. So uh, bless her, she did that for about two months. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Oh. So, but I feel like it's been a lot better than in Florida, if I'm completely honest. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, been dicey here. I think, yeah. I think a lot of it is, uh, you know, just, um, I don't want to, I don't want to say blown out of proportion because I don't think I'm giving it the gravity it deserves, but it's just a lot, there's a lot of noise, a lot of scary mm. noise. So, yeah. You know. Yeah. I think also having to deal with like Tiger King fallout was a big factor as well. So not only did you have the pandemic, but you had like all of the things that happened related to the Netflix drama that was just insanity so yeah you got you, you got lucky on that one yeah. yeah uh the drama hit us over here you know how really? many people i've met over here without even prompting to say i'm from america or big cat rescue that they start making joe shrivogel jokes and harold baskin and all of the typical meme things you hear and i'm like yep i worked for her set seven years that's fine and then almost every single person <laughs> i've had a conversation about it so yeah it's, it's an actual do <laughs> Oh, yeah, well, we then you did not much. dodge that bullet. Yeah. What's that? No, I said, we, in South Africa, we take almost everything in humor. If, we, if there's something bad, we'll make something funny out of it. So. <laughs> yeah, we try to do that here. Usually it comes out inappropriate, <laughs> but, you know, we uh, pull it off well. Yeah, only when you're saying it, it's inappropriate. Yeah, yeah. So well, you're up. What, uh, so what does your normal day-to-day -day look like now that you're, you're where you are? Hmm. Uh, so every day is a little bit different. Uh, so some days we are covering our animal monitoring. Uh, so we go and check up on our key species, um, one of which is our uh, pre-release cheetah. So the project is really big on taking captive bred cheetahs and being able to rewild them. And we've worked with other reserves and sanctuary in the past. Um, but right now we have one female who is um, on it. What did you say? A 400 hectare section. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So she's, she started off in a smaller boma and we were feeding her periodically. Uh, but, but then she moved to this 400 hectare section and is now hunting by herself and is thriving. Wow. Uh, so we check up on her. Yeah. Just about once a day, make sure that she is hunting successfully and doing quite well. Um, and it is uh, in the future that we hope to pair her with two young males that are currently in a BOMA here on our property. Um, and then they can form a coalition uh, and be successful that way. 
Yeah, so the project has uh, um, helped with the metal population. We've released 20 cats last year with EWT, Endangered Wildlife Trust. And we're one of the first projects to ever have released so many cats back into the wild. So we've contributed and uh, combined our efforts conservationally, um, united, and we've just reached so much more ground being together and reaching that, you know, that frontier because cheetahs are, as you know, they're such an endangered species, especially in Africa. And there's only about 350 in the private reserves across oh, wow. Africa, which is almost nothing. Yeah. So Akira, the one that we monitor every day, her grandmother contributed population genetics back into the cheetah um, conservation efforts. So she's quite a special cat. And the two boys that we've got in the Boma now, her mom is quite an amazing story. This cat, they found this cheetah in between nine tigers roaming around and she survived somehow. And oh, then yeah. she was transported to our reserve and uh, we released her immediately and we never saw her again. <laughs> We, wow. we try to search for it's about a we've gone about a 15,000 hectare reserve so try to look for that cat is like a needle in a haystack and <laughs> yes we, on three occasions i mean when i was walking on foot she would be right next to you in the bush and just scat off and then she got we had other two boys on on the on the property also and they line savvy so we gave them to another reserve to feed back into the meta population and those two boys impregnated her and so those two boys are lion savvy now because we've got two, uh, we've got four male, uh, four lions roaming here on the property. One of them is a very famous lion in South Africa. He escaped out of a national park. He was uh, free for 30 days. And the farmers actually love him because the, the theft stopped reduced <laughs> around the farm. So nobody wanted to steal any more theft in you know, Africa. Always these things. And uh, yeah, now he's here by us and he's uh, quite a cool lion. But yeah, now these two boys are now lion savvy, which makes it um, incredibly cool. And so when we're going to pair them up in a boma, we're going to put them together and then we're going to release them into the bigger reserve. And then those boys will uh, just teach her just to stay away from the lions. But yeah, um, I'll hand it over to yeah. the nesting again. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so qu qu question, question for it. Um, you guys keep saying a boma. Is this a place or what? what is this? So a boma is basically just a small enclosure. Oh, okay. All right. So we use it to acclimate the cats to our um, project. Kind of like how you would if you brought home a new cat, you yeah. put them in your bath first and let them get acclimated to everything around before you release them into the full house. Got it. Gotcha. Right. Yeah. That, makes, okay. that makes a lot more sense. That was a very good description yeah. and comparison because I think you know a lot of listeners can relate to that. Um, I know my cat. Just put a sign on the bathroom door. Cheetah, don't <laughs> do not enter. From the hours of six to seven a.m. Obama. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> So do you have like tracking monitors on these cats or are they just, okay. Yes. Uh, so on, on the cheetah, they each have a tracking collar and we use the telemetry to track her down every day. Although sometimes you still can't find her. All right. So we are checking for our resident cheetah right now with our telemetry. So we plug in the number that corresponds to her collar that she's wearing. And then we scan her area, which is about 400 hectares. We won't be able to scan the entire camp, but there are lookout points that will give us a good signal. So we hear no beeps on the telemetry, which means she's not in this area. So we'll just have to go to the next spot. Louder the beep. Close to the cat. Hmm. And there's our cat. Hi, Akira. Her, and then our other big five. So we have a herd of buffalo. Um, we've got white rhino on the property, which is very nice. Um, but then our habitat restoration is a lot of planting uh, speckworm or elephant bush. And you know more about the actual like bush than <laughs> I do. Um, it's a really interesting plant where it can restore a lot of carbon into the ground. And the issues that we're seeing now is not only are we in the middle of a really bad drought, but the land that we are sitting on now had been overgrazed by 
uh, farm animals. So the land in certain places is just desolate. And you can even see on one side, it'll be green and nice and beautiful. And then just a straight line where the fence line was, and then it's just dirt. Nothing will grow there. So every day we plant, no, I'm sorry, once a month we plant, yeah, about, this, it's three areas of 80. Yeah, 240 um, each month. But uh, last month we planted 1,500 trees. Um, oh, wow. So it's this special, this, it's a succulent actually. Um, and it's, it can help restore the carbon into the ground. It keeps the water um, in the plant super long and it helps the other plants around it grow as well. So, and it can be its own little ecosystem essentially yeah, where it, when it really starts to thrive. It's an eco-engineer plant. It facilitates other plant species to grow and adapt from there. And it's, it's actually beautiful. And it's one of the, we're part of the United Nations now with the decade of habitat restoration where we're running tests for the universities to help for a decade restore degraded area and also help with the climate change um, impact. So this plant is a fourth runner because you just basically just propagate it, cut it, put it on the ground and it grows. So it's a cost saving method of uh, restoring. So we're aiming at 1 million hectares that we want to restore uh, basically back to its natural yeah. you know, thickets. That's and it consumes about 80 tons a hectare a year, this, um, this plant. That is awesome because honestly, without plant life, you can't have animal life. Like you just, there's that yep. symbiotic relationship between the two where if you have no trees and you have no plants, then you have no animals, none. Exactly. So, you know, in order to have wild animal life thriving, you need to have that plant life thriving first. Yeah. And that's why trees and plants are so vitally important to our environment and our ecosystem all over the world. So that's awesome. I love that. I'm a big giant wood nerd and a tree nerd because <laughs> I've always been a tree nerd, but, um, but that makes me super happy. I love hearing that. So it's, it sounds like you guys really have like this whole like ecosystem that you're working on in, in its entirety, which is great. It's not just focusing on the cats or the animals and it's not just focusing on the plant life. It's putting them all together to create this thriving environment. It's the circle of life, man. <laughs> Oh, that's basically <laughs> it. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, so uh, yeah. we'll send you some videos of uh, Sylvester, this famous lion that had South Africa up in arms for a month where he escaped out of the Karoo National Park. Uh, and he was gone for a month and there was people searching for him a whole month. So he crossed all the farmlands and they couldn't find him and they had the best trackers. Eventually they got him and then they brought him to Kazuko, um, next to, weird, next to Addo Elephant Park in the Eastern Cape in South Africa. So he's roaming now here and he's a good boy so far, but he's escaped three times out of our reserve and he's caught a, a giraffe on the neighbor and the neighbor wasn't very happy about uh, losing his giraffe, but <laughs> that's one of these things. But since then he's been a good boy. He's not been escaping. We need a new satellite collar actually that we're looking for because uh, his satellite collar just died and now we've got just this, um, his VHF frequency working. So he's, but he's, he's being a good boy so far. <laughs> he's just right. capturing Eland, he's hunting Eland like it's no man's business. Like it's like McDonald's, you know, just, it's just, Eland, Eland is the, one of the biggest antelope species in the world in Africa. But as, that's his creme de la creme of food choices. Is antelope? Yeah, the, it's called the Eland, uh, Eland antelope. Yeah. Eland. They're massive. They're more bigger than, they're bigger than a buffalo. Oh, no, African buffalo. They're bigger no, so than buffalo? Yeah. yeah. So Holy that's his vision. preferred. I think, I think Mitsubishi <laughs> named a car after it. The Gallant? Yes. Oh, of course you know that. <laughs> so you, uh, you and Vanessa, you, you obviously have worked with cats forever. Um, how has the transition to other species been for you? It's, I love it. <laughs> I love seeing how everything works together. And again, my goal has always been to work in conservation. So yeah, I was a little bit of an interesting hiccup coming into a new, I guess, career path. So working from captivity to wild, then, you know, jumping into a new culture, a new language, also learning how to drive a manual car. <laughs> oh, you didn't know that before? No, what are the odds? Did you see her last car? Yes, I did. I drove it many times. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so 
it was, it was a little, it was very interesting. I think I was almost silent for the first two months that I was here because I was just taking in everything and listening to him and listening to the managers and listening. Okay. Okay. (laughs) And listening to everything so I could just take it all in and soak it all in. Um, But it's, yeah, it's been amazing. So I want to show you our two boys. (gasps) Actually, our two boys, yeah. This is uh, Felice and this is Sylvester at the back. Oh. So just to, just to give you a little bit of idea of the naughty boy. Here he is. Oh, they're <laughs> beautiful, though. Do you remember uh, Cecil Lion? Yes. Uh, uh, the lion got shot by the dentist. So his story influenced saving Sylvester. Yeah, big time. It was a big move. Right. If it wasn't for Cecil, that lion would have been, would have been shot. Why, why so is that? My- because in South Africa, there's a big problem in Africa of lions. You know, there's not enough, there is land, but not enough conserved land. We need more land bought and then put together to protect the animals on that land. So the land is currently where they're on is running dry and there's too much, too many lions. Mm. So there's not enough space to move all these lions. So the nomads, there's already territorial grounds situated in the park. So the nomads and new lions are get pushed out to the boundaries and then they escape, they push out. And then the park sports, only option is what they can do is then shoot these lines because they're becoming a problem for the community, unfortunately. But yeah. with Sylvester's story that turned, with Cecil's story, it turned the public's um, attention to save this line and it pushed the government of South Africa to not kill this line. And it was a big effort. It was a, oh. it's a heroic effort. It's a quite a beautiful story. If you Google him, Sylvester the lion, you'll read up more about him and uh, see what he's up about. His real name is Spook. Um, if you go to the, the Karoo National Park and you talk about spook, spook translation, it, it means ghost because he was like a ghost. But oh. then the media the media changed him into Sylvester. So he's now known as Sylvester the Lion. So like how, what is the response of the local residents regarding wild exotic cats? Is there support is there fear is there anger how how do the local residents respond to having exotic cats sort of in their vicinity as pets or as wild animals just as wild cats just you know like roaming on through you know, kind, oh, no, kind, kind of like a baboon in in your trash yeah, yeah. so yeah so our reserve is it's a fenced reserve so we're 15,000 hectares, so we are quite big. Um, But it's interesting for, I I mean, I have a very small amount of knowledge from only being here for a few years, but a lot of like school kids and small children have never seen any of these big animals ever. So educating the kids is one of the biggest ways that we can change how people perceive these big cats and other wild animals. You know, you've tell kids what a rhinoceros is and they're like what's that I've never even heard of that and then you know they live in their backyard essentially so being able to teach them is one of the biggest steps into the future of conservation yeah but sorry go on. <laughs> okay. I was gonna say on on the flip side unfortunately for animals uh that are outside of our reserve so that are free roaming so wild leopards uh and caracals um are more nuisance animals because they're great at hunting cattle and sheep and um it's unfortunate but for the farmers to keep their money and their salaries and a living especially in the middle of a drought their one way to do that is by putting those animals down when they're able to trap them yeah so so majority <laughs> of south africans love wildlife it's our heritage it's our passion it's 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 who we are if you talk to any south african it's it's about the big five and especially back big cats people love the lions um, that's why Sylvester was such a big story and up in the media here in South Africa but also you know with the leopards regarding on the farmers it's a lot of uh, wildlife conflicts happening with the wild leopards and yeah there's so much that we need to do still and so much that we need we're learning from our past and moving forward uh, that we need to come together and just help these animals you know in the eastern cape there's no research really done on the leopards we went you know, we went twice to an occasion where we a farmer caught a leopard just on the other side of the hills here and we went to assist and with a vet and we just came and ga- we gave them collars and we moved that leopard into a new area and a reserve and a home but then the, the female leopard escaped out again and, and they just you can't keep a leopard in here they just they, it's their playground they go everywhere they want 
So we're trying with also with efforts uh, to help these cats, the leopards essentially also um, uh, protect them from the farmers. And that's why the only thing that you can do is monitor them and dart them and put a GPS collar on them. And if they get close to livestock is to go to the farmers and tell them, you know, there's a leopard close in the area, just get your livestock and your goats and your sheep back into the paddock. Uh, we'll try and use a, the stirring flashing light to get them out of the way. Ish. We've got a little puppy anti-poaching dog be biting me out. <laughs> She's quite a nibbler. Yeah. <laughs> standing here biting and nipping. It's like, oh. <laughs> but yeah, in a, in a short, <laughs> people are very passionate about the big cats here in South Africa. That's and we good all, to hear. There was an onslaught where seven lions were shot because they escaped again out of an, another national park. We've got a couple of them. And when that went around that those seven lions were shot, there was a massive outrage from the public against that. Um, you know, there was there's gonna, there can always be a way. If you just have to look hard and work together, there can be a way where we can get these lions to a safe area. But at the problem at the moment, there's a massive problem with wild lions in South Africa or Africa. Their, their space is running out, and the genetics are also running out. It's being bottlenecked, and yes, there's there's a lot of work that needs to be done, which is it's it's an opportunity and there's solutions to be done. And I'm I'm sure with the rest of the world, we can solve that problem. So how could people at home help you know the exotic cats in the wild of africa how can people at home help you guys or help the cats just in general in the wild and protect them yeah that's a that's a good question <laughs> i think people can if they want we need to, good organizations are out there but they that those specific projects that we need to establish are not yet there that's the that's the thing there's a lot of it uh, a lot of attention is now on the rhinos uh, in South Africa. That's the focus because we're losing, every eight hours we're losing a rhino in South Africa. Every, every day there's a hundred elephants being poached in Africa. You know, there's, even with the COVID now, a lot of people lost their jobs, their, their careers and their jobs. And there's, there's poverty, unfortunately. And the only means that they can do is go hunt a, a rhino and get that horn. And people are making money now out of this. And now in the five years, they say in the next five years, there won't be any rhinos left. That's that's the situation we're facing at the moment. So there's no real focus being put on the lions, but I feel like there needs to be a real good project put together for lions. And then we can take it from there where we can get the metapopulation of lion genetics back in order. And then we can shift open corridors and create more land. That's what we need to do. We need to buy more land and co-op co with existing projects that are that is there or you know national parks, government parks, and be part of the conservation initiative to create more land for these cats so they can be more diverse genetics. I think that's the only solution that we can go forward. But it, we're still a long way from there. But we'll get there. I mean, we're seeing a solution now. We're talking to the youth. We're educating the youth. The youth is getting inspired. We, we can see that change happening, which is exciting. And it, it is so much opportunity, so much solution. And I feel for if somebody wants to get involved, you know, it's get in contact with us and we make a plan together. I think the only thing that we can do is have meetings and put stuff together and talk and then put it on paper and put it on black and white and we take it forward from there. And we get this, then you get this flag up and going. So if people want to, if anybody wanted to get in contact with you guys, um, what, um, I guess, organization are you both with? What, what's the name of it? So we, we're part of Kazuko, Kazuko Foundation, which is focused on cheetah conservation. But we've also started our own nonprofit organization called Wildlife Warriors Africa, spelled with a K, not a C, Africa with a K. Okay. And our, our goal is to initially do that, is to create these uh, corridors or uh, existing game reserves and add on land to that and get into the uh, genetics of lions and then we can use that genetics to place and form coalitions and put those lines out there, you know, and try and sort out the solution or the problem and make a solution. And take the nomads, existing nomads that are being pushed out of the park, and then we've got a new park. We can take those, make a collision with those lines, and put them into a, another park, and then that genetics can go on, and it won't be just bottleneck from one one line source, one pride where it goes out. That's the problem that we're having now is we're getting bottlenecks um, genetics from one or two lions and then from there on it's like 50 lions <laughs> that's the problem we can't have that anymore we need to now diverse our our genetics and get it in, in, in order so when you're talking about the genetics is there an 
is there an issue with inbreeding then just because there's they're living in such close proximity yeah yeah that's a problem so yeah, there's not is... enough land and lions wild lions are not we we had four lions that we gave away here to another game reserve but now that game reserve is going down it's just it's it's a it's a dire situation at the moment we need more land we need more understanding of how we're going to solve this problem because everybody's got now lions but they've got no space to put them anywhere so the only solution that they can do is now put these lions down which is unfortunate because those genetics if we can just savor that genetics and give bit, uh, more land for the lions then we can save these species uh, now they're just staying in this bottleneck area where they're staying in one place and they just this the genetics is just going in a circle circle all the time and then those lines are just being put down and then there's no real solution yet yeah. it's actually it's actually a very <laughs> if you think about it it's very it's a, it looks like a very dire situation but we see the optimistic uh, solutions we see the opportunity sure. that we can fix this i think it's nice to know that there is the potential for change i mean vanessa you and i especially have worked with cats exotic cats that are inbred and you know seeing the effects that that has on them physically mentally health wise all of those things that can sort of feel daunting and overwhelming but you guys have that you guys have like that different aspect of being able to be out you know in wildlife conservation so there is the potential for for change and you know kind of adjustment whereas working with cats in captivity it you know until at least in the united states until that big cat public safety act passes it feels like there will never be that opportunity for getting rid of inbreeding in exotic cats at least here um so i'm it's it's comforting and it's it's sort of uplifting to feel and to know that you guys have that sort of positive outlook like this is something that can change you just need the support from South African residents and citizens, I'm guessing, and the government of South Africa. Yeah. Yeah, the world, actually. Yeah. I think it's the responsibility of the whole world. Because, yeah. you know, we all share this planet. It doesn't matter from where you are. This is everybody's heritage at the end of the day. You know, the lion is one of the most iconic animals in the world. If, if you talk to a kid, any kid anywhere, you go to a kid and you tell them, give me an uh, animal's name, you'll go, a lion. I bet 90% of the kids will go lion. <laughs> so I, I think it's it's our duty as custodians to look after these animals and make sure that there's a future heritage for other people to enjoy. And they got the they got the important role in conservation to play. Without the lions, you know, there's nothing will exist. We've seen that so many times. We go to an area where there's nothing, you put lions in there. It just brings the bird life back. The, the dung beetles, everything comes back to life. It's almost like they are the, the pinnacle of everything that they, they need to be the, into the environment. And without the lion's day, nothing will survive. It's, it's just the whole chain revolves to me around the lions. And that's just my experience living into the bush and what I've seen and witnessed. I will also say there's a mirroring that I have seen from coming from the states and sanctuaries and zoos to out here where the world, anyone in tourism, especially, you know, put your money where your mouth is. If you love animals, you don't go to places where you can touch them <laughs> and pet them and things like that. And we see that uh, with what Big Cat Rescue puts out, you know, it, mostly with the, the tiger trade in the States to go to pets and things. And we see that similarly with lions here. There's tons and tons and tons and tons of breeding facilities here that are breeding lions and they scream the name of conservation, but all those lions are doing are pay to plays and then they go and fund can hunting as opposed to really working towards genetics and conservation. And over the last year, our government opened their eyes and they did note what is happening because right now there's a, a, an estimated 11 to 13,000 lions that are in cages. Oh. And they came out and said, we recognize that this is happening and we want to change. So let's stop breeding in captivity. Mm. But there is such a big hunting industry on this side that we're getting a big friction and a big fight to keep those lions going in that way. So again, if people want to, hopefully once COVID is done or we've moved on from lockdowns and we're back to being safe, 
and tourism can start to bring up again, people can do their research and look into true conservation efforts and working on wild and reserves rather than focusing on the, oh, I want to touch this animal, you can get a picture with it and move on. Mm. So there are volunteer programs. We have a volunteer program here as well that hopefully it will be able to take off again once uh, the borders can start opening and people can travel more. But it is, it is about the individual doing their research and doing what's right for the animal, not for any selfish reasons. Now, in many ways, we, we know that tourism helps and then tourism can hurt. I guess from your end being kind of right there seeing it firsthand, um, how does it help and how does it hurt? I'd say, again, I have a much smaller window of knowledge than this guy uh, from being out in the wild, but it, it, South Africa is suffering from the lack of tourism. They thrive on the international people who can come and stay at their, I'm gonna need to charge my phone, <laughs> but they thrive off the international tourists who can come and take in the wildlife. And, for the people that I've spoken to and even books that I've read and the people that come here, they have the best intentions of coming to see the wildlife and, and loving them. And if you go to a reserve that conservation is their main focus, you know, you're not driving the truck right up to the animals. You're not getting out and touching them. You're not encroaching on their business. The people here, the, the rangers here, they recognize the animals um, attitudes and you know, really take their respect into account. So there is a way, uh, I strongly believe that humans and animals can thrive together perfectly. We can, we can live in the same area. We can enjoy our company. There is a symbiotic relationship that humans and animals have. We just need to find that balance of not pushing our limits. Now, you mentioned, um, you know, getting right up next to the animal. Um, if somebody was to travel there and they were to uh, want to see the animals, how could they tell the difference between a place that is you know, um, being responsible and then a place that is a complete money grab. I mean, in my experience, and it's the same as what, you know, Big Cat Rescue says when you go to visit animals in the States, you know, you look for if there's people touching the animals or cheetahs on leashes, or it's, you know, you want to ask those big questions, you know, are you breeding and why are you breeding? Are you just breeding for the sake of having cubs and bringing in money? Or are you actually breeding for a project like ours where we have the evidence, we have it on record that we are adding to this amazing meta population and we're working on getting the cheetah numbers up. So it, yeah, it might take a little more than just looking at a brochure, um, but you know, there are places out there. There's even a website called, uh, what is it called? <laughs> uh, Volunteers in Africa Beware which is seeking out the bad places that you don't want to volunteer. The ones who the cubs go to can hunting facilities. You know, it's basically any place that you can play with a lion is it's bad. Yeah. It's just, we, we totally against it. And there's a few other great organizations out there. Blood lions. I don't know if you heard about blood lions, the documentary blood lions. Oh, I've heard of exposed. Heard, yeah. Yeah, it's on Netflix currently, and it exposes everything about the can hunting industry and how bad it is uh, just to everybody. And I think that's a good educational facility to start if you want to start researching into places like and Bloodlines are amazing at what they're doing and what they have done into exposing these um, these cruel, just, just, just unhumane places that just rear these cubs and then they end up being hunted. And it's just awful blood money at the end of the day. And that's what, that's what we eventually need to stop because, you know, there's more captive lions in South Africa than wild lions. We've got only about 2,500 wild lions remaining oh here in gosh. South Africa. Damn. And that number is yeah, it's decreasing. Like I said, we had, we had four cubs here and our property couldn't sustain eight lions roaming around. <laughs> eight lions eat a lot. <laughs> they chow a lot. And also that the, the male lion, Sylvester, was starting to bite these these he was going to kill these three young males female males so we needed to move them out and we emailed 60 reserves private reserves and everybody came back to us and asked not everybody but majority of them came back to us and asked can i hunt them and we we're like no we can't hunt these animals they're genetic legacy now you want to shoot out a genetic legacy and then only two oh, two places well majority of them said they can't 
there was a couple of places that said, can they hunt them? And we were like, no. And then there was one place left, what's called Magic Hills. And unfortunately now, COVID, that whole place just folded, just went poof. And we lost one of the, one of the elephants broke into the camp where they were in. It was a pre-release boma and killed the, the female. So now there's only three boys left. And it looks like that place is now currently being in the market. And I, I can't see that they're going to have a profit because they're literally in the middle of the middle of the middle. I know we're in the middle of the middle of nowhere, but they also father in the middle of nowhere, which is quite, it's, it's hard to access to that reserve, which is, it's a beautiful reserve. It's massive, beautiful, but they, they're now running into ground. They're not getting any tourists. They had to lay off people. We had to lay off people. We had to lay off 60 people here on our reserve. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of you know people are dependent on conservation in the community and the, and the community of what conservation brings to being sustainable for a family is that you know this this reserve feeds not just 60 people it's 60 plus people because it's people coming from very poverty struck areas and we give them opportunity to develop and the owner of this place is also you know people who came here as cleaning the floors and they worked themselves up to being a manager he's like giving them you will start giving you shares in the company. And that's how, that's how this reserve works here. We, we see the potential and we want to uplift people and bring them bring out the best in you. But now with COVID, we had to lay off 60 people and other reserves that closed down, and especially where those other four cats is. Now it's just like back to the drawing board. Like, where do you go from here? Now, that's what, that's what the problem is. So COVID has struck South Africa tourism very hard. And that's where people started approaching it because now they're not getting any money from these reserves. And the community is bordered on the uh, reserve and the community is bordered on the, on the fence lines are now in desperate times and they need to poach. So what do they do? They need to poach animals to make money and they've got a family to feed. So it's, it's, it's tragic. <laughs> That's what's happening. So hopefully we're praying that these borders can open up now again and tourists can come flocking in and it can bring back the jobs and it can be sustainable and the animals won't be pressurized as much as it is currently. And we can move forward from there. So. That, yeah, I think everybody's starting to get ready for things to kind of open back up. And obviously, in in some places, it's more dire than others that the that the borders start to open back up and lockdowns start to let up. Um, unfortunately, it's just so hard to. Obviously, it's hard to figure out what's going to happen next because COVID is just sort of always evolving and we're just all trying to evolve with it and unfortunately it has just wreaked havoc on our entire planet just it's not been good but we're gonna yeah. switch gears here for a minute and uh we've got a couple of fun questions um i'll let you <laughs> ask the first one all right the first one's a pretty simple one for both of you what's your favorite cat species <laughs> I'll let you guess his. <laughs> it's lion has always been lion. Lion, be lion. lion. All right. And a bird for me. I knew it. Yeah. <laughs> I knew you were gonna. I was like typing the question. I was like, Vanessa's gonna say leopard. I just know it. I just know it. <laughs> of course, I fell in love with Reno, and I never looked back. Uh, I can't blame you. He was a handsome man. Oh, that man. <laughs> all all right. right. Next one's all yours. So. A little bit of a backstory for our listeners and viewers. I think you should just ask the question. Then. Uh, one time, Vanessa and I were working on a project, <laughs> and uh, we were working on a cage wire. And all of a sudden, Vanessa somehow ripped her pants. And so, ever since Vanessa and I have been friends, um, there's been a sort of a running pant ripping tally. So. Um, how many pairs of pants have you ripped or torn recently? And how many <laughs> pairs of pants do you have that are still fully intact? <laughs> I would say I've ripped every single pair of pants that I have owned, but, but about a month ago, I went and I bought myself some new pants and I am sporting them right now. Very nice. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> they are intact. That'll probably last another month before I rip them on something. <laughs> Every once in a while, I get a message that just be like, I ripped another pair of pants. And I was just like, oh, we've got to get you like Teflon pants, just like so durable, cool. like 
up for anything pants. If you haven't ripped your pants. <laughs> yeah, no, been there, done that. I, I am currently also sporting yep. a couple pairs of pants that are now ripped and or torn. <laughs> and I just don't care. I just keep just keep going with it. <laughs> so uh so another one here real quick. Um we we good on pants. Yeah, I think we're good on the pants. Um, because right. these guys are probably hungry yeah. and uh it's late there and um Vanessa's phone is dying. So we won't keep you too too much longer. Yeah, plug my phone in. We're good for now. Awesome. All right. It's almost beer, uh, beer o'clock. Yes, it is. It's almost beer o'clock there too. So we'll we'll what, we'll what get you guys. It's eleven forty-five. It's like beer o'clock here. It's almost beer o'clock. Yeah. Um. All right. So uh. So one thing that I want to hear a little bit more about. So the anti-poaching dog. Yes. What's What's the backstory? What's the future? How did you guys get involved with this? Um. That this. I, th I think there's something to dig into here. And are there any other four-legged residents in your in your dwelling? And are there puppies? No. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll let you know them in a couple of seconds. Uh, so we have uh, Zulu, who is three years old. Yeah. Um, and our newest member is Kiza. Uh, she is five months old. Uh, Zulu lives here with us. Uh, Kiza lives with the uh, manager's daughter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so Zulu was Devon's dog uh, and got him is yeah is Devon's dog I got him for the purpose of anti-poaching um so he's when he's working and he's on points and we do some type of training with him every single day that we can uh whether it's just tracking or it's running or some type of I'm sorry they're going a little hectic <laughs> oh my goodness <laughs> <laughs> uh, but they they are trained to do their job which is to take down a poacher if one is to come on our property and, well yeah so far Zulu is just trained but we brought Kiza on to train with him so we are starting a to keep the poachers at bay essentially excellent good that is way cool that I love that yeah that is just awesome yeah, yeah. Well, um, I'm gonna let you let me come this way. Maybe you can. This is this is Zulu, and then you can see little Kiza biting him. She's, uh, she's only five months old now. Oh my gosh! That's so funny. He's like, "Are They're very playful, right? Now. Hey, los, los. Go, go. <laughs> no so it was definitely different going from surrounded by cats and foster kittens to going to two anti-poaching dogs. It was definitely different. Uh, but I saw a statistic the other day that organizations. <laughs> yep. Dog, dog got it. <laughs> That was, uh, that, was that was Zulu 101. Uh, so I saw a statistic the other day that said properties that have trained canines for anti-poaching have uh, like a close to those. So yeah, once a once a dog gets a poacher, um, uh, does does that word spread pretty quickly? That don't go there. Yeah, so you get different types of poachers. You get opportunist poach poachers that just come in to poach antelopes, and they just steal normal uh, risk takers poachers. Then you get your strategic syndicate poachers. These are for the rhinos, and these oaks are ex-militants from bordering countries, and they come in with so much background and checks. So if they come in, they come in with full force, and they'll kill you. They don't have, there's no second thoughts about it. So you're, it's all about intel. So if you've got this dog and there's a rhino poaching that happened, we've got these dogs that can track and bite. So that's, it helps us to track down these poachers and then they can just hold them down in position and we can make their arrest. And then we can interrogate with questions to follow up um, with more information and can help other reserves 
which is basically amazing in Eastern Cape that everybody is well connected on the private reserves. Everybody communes. So we have zero, we had zero poaching so far this year, touch wood on rhino poaching in this province is amazing. But you know, rhinos in general across South Africa, we lose about over a thousand rhinos each year. So it's massive. It's more in the Kruger National Park area where they get hit hard now. But you know, they're they're dropping, the numbers are dropping so fast that these syndicates are gonna go and hit the Eastern Cape now. South Africa. So we're just being vigilant and prepared and just that just the presence and the people knowing that there's dogs in the anti-poaching unit and we are, you know, on the on the lookout, it just makes them a bit more hesitant. And we don't have a routine. We just go out randomly, full moon checks and random checks on the rhinos. We just make sure that they're correct. And we're also going into an initiative where we're going to go into black rhino conservation with sandbox and we're going to help with the black rhinos. I'm getting more genetic metapopulations on our area and we can have a breeding ground to get the black rhinoceros out there more the genetic. So we, our fingers and conservation is, is in many in many pies. So we're trying to help out where we can, but yeah, it, it definitely helps a little bit to prevent poachers from coming in. And we just, it's always just helpful when you got a dog on your, because these poachers, they are so cunning and wise and smart. I wouldn't say wise poaching a rhino, but just, they're more intelligent to know yeah. what they're doing because they're militants. So they're not fooling around. They, <laughs> you'll be in the bush and you won't know about it and they'll be hiding there and they ambush you just to get you out of the picture. And then, but the dog helps you. The dog's there, they'll, yeah. they'll alert and they'll uh, warn you if there's a poacher mm-hmm. and so on. So it's, yeah, it goes, <laughs> that's a whole nother talk. <laughs> and another time. There is a special place in the afterlife for poachers. I firmly believe that. Maybe mm-hmm. not such a nice place yeah so yeah we need a we need a, a lot of support and help from everybody and, and I, I believe we believe that you know everybody get involved and we can make this movement happen right and forward and we, the more educated the more knowledge goes out there the more we can make a difference and if we united we stand together but if we were divided we are conquered so we need to be stand united in the effort of our heritage and we can do anything we can move any any mountain when we're mm-hmm. united and that's that's the the positive out of this all if the more knowledge the more awareness is out there the more we can impact them and you know safeguard our custodianship as ambassadors to these animals and ensure that their future goes on yeah yeah i think that's yeah i mean there's a, a documentary that just dropped on tuesday of this week um if you guys get the chance to watch it it's called hidden the hidden tiger yeah. um yeah. did you did you see it vanessa I yet or oh heard of it yeah it is phenomenal i mean we've seen it a couple times already it is so good and it it shares that same message of the world needs tigers and it's just exactly like what you guys are saying it's just tiger based as opposed to lion based and it just it's just the perfect message and you guys i feel like if you guys get the chance to watch it you would both enjoy it honestly he he was weepy and you know vanessa he's part robot so um the fact that it choked him up uh, it was that was pretty impactful um but if you guys get the chance to watch it it's definitely uh, a good a good watch and uh it's very moving and there's just wild tigers just in their natural habitat photos and videos which are stunning uh just it's just very moving but um so i digress before we go because this is gonna be our last question so we'll let you guys get going is there anything we haven't discussed that you would like to share with our listeners or viewers guess not um just no matter where you go or what you do to try and help animals do your research first always do your research first before you go and ask the hard questions and it never hurts to ask to speak to someone in charge or hey who's in charge of the lions i want to know more um and we are big supporters of course of the big cat public safety act and you know starting from high up like the government needs to change so the laws can change so we can save the earth and just it's a big fight and a big mountain that we all have to climb but if we do it together it's so much easier yeah, I've, I've got two things to add there. Um, first of all, I just want to say thank you to Big Cat Rescue for what you're doing for the big cats over there in America. So, uh, Vanessa told me everything what you're doing. 
And I highly respect and value and support you. And okay. secondly, and second, thank you. And secondly, you know, for, for all the viewers out there, no matter who you are, your impact is so valuable and contributes so much. You don't understand. Doesn't matter how small it is, just a word, just a research, whatever you're doing, don't think, don't ever think that whatever you do won't have an impact. It will have an impact and that domino effect will ripple. And that's how we make that change. See ya. See ya, Pambi. It's a Zulu phrase for keep moving forward. I like that. It's tattoo like word that. there, there. I think so too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it means no worries. Uh. All right. Well, I thank you guys so much. I know you've had a long day. I know your your day is ending and you're ready to unwind. So thank you guys so much for taking this time. We appreciate you. I know you, there were technical difficulties and there was just insanity with, with baboons. Um, but um, thank you. This has been eye-opening and enlightening and really delightful. I've just enjoyed learning more about things that I didn't know were going on in our world and being able to share that now with other people all over the world is something that I think is really hopefully going to have a positive impact and, and, and wake people up and, and get them motivated and moving to want to help you guys in this endeavor and people who are sharing this responsibility with you right there on site in South Africa. So um, we'll make sure that we include links and all sorts of information. Vanessa will probably be tapping you for some of that information um, later on tomorrow or throughout the week as he edits, cause that's not my department. Um, but thank you guys so much. This has been awesome. I miss you. I'm excited to see you when you come home. Um, I miss If you, we have some, we have some of your, and this is going to be edited out, but we have some of your stuff still. So if there's anything you want or need to take back with you, I believe we have a lamp that has lions and tigers and, uh, I, I think. Will, oh, yeah. Oh, I forgot about that lamp. There you go. I'm going to be around and collecting all my stuff and seeing everyone. And yeah, so thank you guys. I, oh. I love to do this again at some point. I feel like oh, I learned absolutely. something new every and we can really narrow things down and get to the nitty gritty and show you some lions and, <laughs> and things. Heck yeah. Yes. yes, I would love to see lions. I would cry. I mean, I would just cry. It would just be the way it goes since that's how I am. Um, I hope someday that we can make it out to you guys in person. Um, we'll just drive right over. Yeah, we'll drive. We'll take, yeah. we'll take, we'll take your vehicle. Cause around the corner, quick, quick, quick walk. Your vehicle yeah. is more likely um, to fall apart anyway. So let's just use that one. Oh, you can. Uh, <laughs> Well, cool. Well, thanks for joining us, guys. We really appreciate it. And you know what, Vanessa, we'll probably uh, check in with you guys like once a quarter or something, and you guys can give us an update of what's going on out there. This yeah, is awesome. we'd love it. All right, cool. Thank you guys so much. Have a great night, and we'll catch up with you again soon. All right, so what'd you guys think? Uh, definitely, like Andy said before, a lot of content, a lot coming at you. Um, we hit the ground running and, um, it's, uh, it's definitely an experience. It's, it's a ride. Yeah. That, that, uh, that's, that was a lot of just information I wasn't necessarily expecting, mm -hmm. you know, it was more of a, Hey Vanessa, how's it going? And, uh, all of a sudden it's like a really impactful mm -hmm. thing that they're doing over there. Um, and it sounds like they're, they're, very much in a boots on a ground situation. Uh, and I know, you know, we, we talked to, to the whole group of uh, Hidden Tiger last time and then Carol the time before that and ever, everybody's doing their part. Uh, just this is a really unique situation, isn't it? Yeah. And I liked, I liked the fact that there was focus on, don't get me wrong, I love, I love the big cat conservation. I think it's vitally important. But I also love the fact that there was a focus on species other than cats and also the entire ecosystem and environment. Uh, so it, again, there was that message portrayed in Hidden Tiger about the ecosystem. If you guys haven't watched it, watch it. 
I, I can't stop talking about it. Um, but it, it was very, uh, there was a lot that tied together. There was a lot of, of relative information. It was just taking information from one continent or country and applying it to a completely different continent and country for a different species of animal. But the message was the same and the goal was the same. So it's, it was, it was very cool to see how the, these all tie in together. You know, you've got different countries and continents all working towards this same goal of conservation of the exotic cat species um, and, and working on figuring out how to achieve that. Well, and even when, you know, you heard him talking about they're planting trees. I think Vanessa may have brought it up first. Um, I would have never even thought about that is, is that that would be such an important you know, item to bring to the table to make sure that these animals and not just cats for them thrive. But it um, just makes sense. It does. It does. Um, yeah. So we hope you enjoyed this podcast, uh, video cast. We look forward to seeing you guys again. Uh, we hope to have more fun, exciting guests and um, kind of just going down this rabbit hole together for season three of cat chat with bridget and andy look forward to seeing you guys again and hope you have a great day yeah and if uh, any of you have any suggestions uh you can email us at cat chat at bigcatrescue.org take care bye <laughs>